if my son or my daughter were in a marriage and they weren't happy and they were staying because they were worried what other people thought, would I think that was how I wanted them to live their life? No. And so I realized that this, this is the thing. I always say this, like, I don't want my children to inherit my money. I want them to inherit my mindset. Welcome to the Sisterhood Club podcast, where we talk all things business, Web3 and NFTs. We're on a mission to educate, elevate and empower women into the world of Web3. So join us on this journey as we learn together from leading experts. And remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So please do your own research and enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sisterhood Club podcast with myself, Georgie Hubbard, and normally Pam Caldwell, but unfortunately she can't join us this evening. She is at home with little baby Sky and uh, feeling pretty flat out from a really big couple of days, so I've told her to rest up today. But today I am extremely excited and honoured to be sat with a wonderful woman, Rosie Leach. Rosie is a self-love and happiness coach, helping women find their self-worth and confidence. Rosie's coaching helps women get to the root of what is holding them back in life and provides them with the tools to create a lifelong loving relationship with themselves. Rosie believes self-love is the key to everything and enables people to create the life they deserve. Rosie is also one of our amazing educators within the Sisterhood School and I am honored to have her courses on our platform. Rosie, so good to have you here today. I'm really excited to get into this conversation but before we get into the you know nitty-gritty about everything uh, all to do with self-love and confidence I love to take it back to your beginning your journey and what got you so passionate about these important topics that we're going to cover today so over to you tell us a little bit about yourself that's a that is straight into the nitty-gritty actually because (laughs) (laughs) the firstly thank you for having me um Essentially, my own lack of self-love is what led me to the position that I'm in, which I think is probably how a lot of coaches get there. We know how it feels to not have something. We work out how to finally get that thing, and it feels just like you can't not share that information. Um, Mm. So realistically, it actually probably starts really, really young for me in that I grew up as... um, I had a very picture-perfect childhood with the lovely little house in the Cotswolds. My parents are together. Um, I'm an only child, so maybe I'm a little bit spoiled. Um, And I was your perfect goody-two-shoes is probably the phrase I would use. And um, that became my identity. And I would say Mm -hmm. even in those very early stages, being the good girl and getting things right was very much who I was and who I wanted to be. various different issues arose from that because there is no such thing as being perfect um but unfortunately we all seem to be striving for that perfection that that doesn't exist and I for me this manifested in anxiety hugely hugely I spent a lot of my teen years very very anxious um and it just never felt like I was enough I remember even being that young and thinking I can't do this I'm never going to achieve this I'm not as good as this person I'm never going to be the best in my class at this and it was always striving for that um and I just basically knew that I wanted to carve out this textbook life I always refer to it as my textbook life that my past life is my textbook life and so that quest for that textbook life started and 
I made sure I did well in my GCSEs and my A-levels. I made sure that I went to university. Neither of my parents went to university. I went to university to do a psychology degree. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to be married by the time I was 20. That was my, which is so young, uh, <laughs> yeah. purely because my mum got married when she was 20. So that was how you did things. You know, my parents were together. That was my textbook. That's what I'd learned from. So I got engaged when I was 19 and I got married when I was 21. And it actually, I remember thinking I'm late. Like I'm, I'm running late with this. My life is not on plan. That one year felt like a huge, huge failure in a way. Um, got the house in the country with the nice garden and four bedrooms and the drive and mm. perfect got, got a job that I liked um and then started to try and have a family and all the while my anxiety was always ticking under the surface there was always this mm. idea that I was playing catch-up I was trying to live this like I said perfect life and my anxiety was always very very high if you knew me um and I think like a lot of people, it's very high functioning anxiety. Nobody would have ever guessed that I was an anxious person. I always seemed like I had things together and I was okay, but under the surface I was struggling. Um, but also I very much believed that that's who I was because I'd always felt that way. I couldn't really remember a time where I didn't feel anxious. I can, I can remember genuinely feeling anxious as young as four and that nervy feeling was normal for me mm-hmm. um and so next on the agenda was right start a family I knew I always wanted to be a parent and then that didn't happen um it just didn't work I had problems with my periods and various different mm-hmm. things after about a year I eventually got pregnant um and that pregnancy unfortunately ended in a miscarriage so Again, this wasn't going to my textbook life and I felt like I'd failed. It felt like a really big failure. I was really, really hard on myself about that, um, which is something now that I actually look back on and I feel so sorry for that version of me that thought that was mm. her fault or that this meant there was something wrong with her because it just clearly isn't the case. Um, and I got pregnant again quite quickly afterwards and had my little boy. He's now nearly five, actually. Um, And I spent the whole time being really anxious. For the first time in my life, my anxiety got debilitating. And I would say, well, I had a breakdown, essentially. When I was pregnant with my son, towards the end, I couldn't leave my house, couldn't eat, couldn't be around my husband. Uh, Everything was too much. And it was very, very intense. And it kind of continued after he was born. And I feel like this was a big, it was a big turning point in life for me because it all, all that, those years of anxiety kind of came to a head. And to give you an idea of how bad that was, when he was born, I was buying clothes for him a year in advance because I was worried that I was going to die and he wasn't going to be looked after. Oh my God. And so I was living in a constant state of I'm going to die or he's going to die. And it it was so intense. Um, Mm. And I tried anti-anxiety medication for the first time. I'd I'd had counseling at different parts throughout my life. Um, My marriage along the side of this wasn't happy. We we were Mm. friends and it was kind of 
that was what it was. Neither of us wanted to be in that. But for me, the idea of getting divorced did not follow my textbook. So divorce was never supposed to be on the cards because that's just not what you do. And in my family, no one gets divorced. It's a really big taboo kind of subject, you know? I'm a small town girl. If I got divorced, that would be business of everybody and the shame and judgment. And so in my mind, I'd resign myself to the fact that I would be in this marriage forever and it wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be bad. And that would be it. And I couldn't imagine taking that step of leaving that marriage because it was too shameful for me. And I would ra- and, and it's sad because I'd got to a point where I'd rather be unhappy and rather just tick along in that life and keep filling those textbooks because I worried so much what everybody else thought and I didn't want to be a failure. Um, and then my marriage ended. The, wor- the, bad, the worst thing that I oh. thought was going to happen happened. Mm. And it was the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> and mm. it was in that moment that I started asking questions. I started asking, Mm -hmm. okay, look, my life has kind of fallen apart. So this time maybe I should build it for me because Mm -hmm. there's always been that underlying feeling that this wasn't my life because I was doing the things that I thought I should be doing. And Mm -hmm. that feeling is a very hollow feeling to be creating something that on the surface is okay. And And I actually, I genuinely believe there's a lot of women and men probably who are in that position where we don't think we can have all the things that we want and we Mm. worry greatly what other people think of us. And I think one of the biggest things that holds us back is that fear of, you know, the what if, what if this happens, who, what will they think? Mm. What will they say? What will this mean about me? And Mm. the truth is in that moment is when I realized I didn't love myself. I'd always known that I felt a bit lost and I didn't know what was going on and I didn't really know who I was in a lot of ways. But it was the first time I made that connection that maybe I'm making some of these decisions because I don't think I deserve this or there's something in me that that not enoughness that, you know, and I don't think I've ever met a person that doesn't have that feeling of not enoughness. And that's sad. This, you know, it's so overpowering. So from there, I sort of rebuilt myself. And actually, in those years, I made a lot of interesting decisions, let's call them. And mm-hmm. it didn't, it wasn't an overnight thing where I went, oh my God, yeah, now I'm just going to love myself. And I think it's going to be fine. Actually, what followed was probably about a year where I felt like I was almost watching my own life. There were things happening. Mm-hmm. I, I got pregnant very quickly with somebody else, with my daughter, mm. and I just kind of, I unraveled a bit, but in that unraveling, mm. I found lots of parts of me that were me. And so it wasn't mm. immediately amazing. And it wasn't immediately like I started mm. just knowing how I was gonna make this work. I didn't, I'd never felt self-love, so I didn't know how to do that. But it was where I sort of realized I didn't have it. And it was where I started the quest for finding it. And I started reading and I started learning and I started understanding what it was and what it meant. And and one of the biggest things for me is I realized that this is the one thing, if I can teach my children, it's all they need. Because if my son or my daughter were in a marriage and they weren't happy and they were staying because they were worried what other people thought, would I think that was how I wanted them to live their life? No. And so I realized that this, this is the thing. I always say this, like, I don't want my children to inherit my money. I want them to inherit my mindset. 
Like Ooh. that is the yeah. the biggest thing I think mm. I can ever give to them. So mm. it's been a long old process <laughs> and <laughs> I have worked on a lot of different things and it was something that I, I, I never thought I'd be a coach. If you just said to me, Rosie five years ago, this is where you'll be, she'd be like, no way. Uh, but there was something about it that when I, I was actually sat there, my daughter was six weeks old, I was sat breastfeeding her and I just thought, I don't ever want her to feel the way that I felt. Mm. And I think I have these tools that I've learned through learnt, getting to know myself and my situation and understanding what self-love is. And I need to teach mm. other people to do this. So I signed up mm -hmm. for my coaching course there and then, literally as she was mm -hmm. breastfeeding. I signed up mm -hmm. for six months. I started my business and it's just gone from there. Wow. Um there's so much that I'm gonna pull out pull out of all this. Sorry, but that was a lot. First, <laughs> no, it was absolutely phenomenal. And I actually want to thank you for being so honest, open, and vulnerable. Because this is the sort of thing that we don't talk about sometimes as women. We don't want to share and we carry so much shame and guilt and all of these things inside of us. And if we don't look at it if we don't deal with it it eats away at us and we become extremely unhappy and unfulfilled and wonder why we're just constantly going from one problem to the next and we're just feeling so empty inside I feel like it's so important the biggest gift you could give yourself is to really look in and be like as soon as you start taking responsibility and you realize that I am the reason why I'm in this situation and you start unpacking it right but there's so many things that I could relate to what you just said the first thing that you said was all about the anxiety piece and I have been through terrible anxiety myself through most of my 20s and uh, the one when I look back and I, and I reflect on that now I think part of that was because I was living so far out of alignment from who I actually was I was in a very stressful sales job I was doing things that I'm not proud of just to get sales in and I became almost a woman that I didn't recognize anymore and it was just this is not who I want to be this is not my natural personality this is not a life living in alignment with my values but what I had done in that process was tie my sense of worth into my career so any time that I didn't do well at work I felt unsuccessful which then made my anxiety even worse and it was just this constant cycle of basically just not being able to breathe like that was that was how bad it got I would have panic attacks on the way to work I'd have to get off the train sit on a bench just to catch my breath like it got really really bad and it's it, hindsight's a wonderful thing right but if I look back at that woman it was just that again she was just so caught up in the hamster wheel of life and and looking at and, and thinking about what well, if I quit this job what are people going to think and and yeah I could function very well with anxiety but I was I was a mess I was so healthy but from the outside looking in I was successful I had a well-paid job I just bought a house I was married you know everything was going well in my life but inside I was screaming I was so unhappy and um, I just think that's such an important message to get across because I honestly believe that a lot of anxiety comes from living a life so far away from our values and we're just completely out of alignment so thank you for sharing that but I really want to get into now, like you, you've mentioned that a few things about this textbook life, this this vision that you had and society has. And I want to really understand 
the process that you went through to really detach yourself from that and start loving yourself for you and not because you had a house or you you were married or you had children like where did that self-love journey really begin and what are some of the tools that and strategies and even steps that you took to really begin to to love yourself I think um and again I can totally relate to your anxiety Mm -hmm. story because it's just it's and it's so tiring and I think there's a lot of tired people out there because you're having this external Mm. everyone has this external image of you you're keeping all these balls up in the air Mm. and inside you're just struggling and it's such an intense Mm -hmm. feeling and I totally agree I think that living out of alignment is a big big part of it and and that self-trust I think for me, Mm. developing self-trust and removing self-doubt was a really, really important tool and an important way for me to Mm. improve personally my anxiety. Um, But the moment it for me was when everything fell apart. And this Mm. is, I think, another reason I wanted to become a coach is because, see, I think rock bottom is a really good place to be. And Mm. as controversial as that sounds like, the only way is up. And that's a good place. Mm. Sometimes you need to strip away all the rubbish to really know who you are and that was the process for me and I think I think about this a lot because I think would I have got to where I am if it wasn't taken away from me and I the honest Mm. answer is I don't know whether I would have I don't know Mm. how I would have had it in me and so that's something I'm really interested in and for me that's what I want to be able to help clients with is how do you get out of that funk before Mm. everything's he reaches rock bottom how do you do that without the rock bottom so that's what I have worked on is you know what are the tools that you can use before it gets to that point because I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is that confidence to make that decision to love yourself I think it starts with mm-hmm. that because that's the biggest decision and it sounds mm-hmm. simple and it's really really not because mm-hmm. I think we're told that self-love is selfish we're told that if you're confident, you're arrogant, and those two things are com- mm-hmm. complete opposites. I think, especially as women, we are told that there is a box we have to fit into, and mm-hmm. there are ways we have to be as a parent, as a partner, as a colleague within business, you know, in all those different areas. And the only thing that really started it all was me actually asking myself, who am I? Mm. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Sorry, yeah. I'm a massive swearer. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck am I? Like, and, yeah. and who are you living this life for? And mm. that is a is a question that I it really hit me hard when I realised because I was like, I don't know who I am because mm. so for me, just like you got your your validation and your worth from work, I got my validation from relationships. So. Another part of my story is that I hated my face for about 15 years. I um, Oh my God, you're absolutely beautiful. I, I <laughs> can't, can't even tell you how much it impacted my life. I wow. rearranged my whole wedding because I couldn't bear having a photo from one side of my face. And I had this idea that if I was somebody's girlfriend or I was somebody's wife, that meant I was attractive because so my mm. face essentially isn't straight. I, when I was about 12, I went to an orthodontist and they told me your face isn't straight. We could break your jaw and realign it. Um, and all I heard was, well, if your face isn't straight, there's something wrong with you. 
and that's yeah. ugly and that's unattractive. And I, I remember mm-hmm. comments about, you know, there was a boy once that said to me at school, your body's okay. It's just your face that lets you down. And I used to get bullied about it. And um, it just became something I was really obsessed with. Like I would never wear my hair up. I was always like this and would play with my face a lot and cover it up. Um, And so for me, relationships were how I got my validation. And I also looked at my parents' relationship. I thought, you know, they've been together for 30 odd years. This is what you do. You you get into a relationship and it's not going to be plain sailing. And if you're in a relationship, that means you're not ugly and you're worthy and someone has validated you. And I think our view on relationships is also a really fundamental problem and how we view even the phrase, your other half. I hate that phrase. Mm. And this idea that, you know, for me, I had been in a relationship constantly from the age of 14. My first relationship was three years. I went straight into another one, straight into another one, straight into another one. The longest I've been single was about eight weeks before I got married. Mm. And it was a security blanket for me. And Mm. so I needed to be able to validate myself. Being single should be the default setting. You know, self-love should be that foundation that you build rather than it being something that we look at later. It should be on what everything else is built, how you parent, Mm -hmm. what kind of friend you are, what Mm -hmm. kind of daughter or son you are, what kind of wife you are, all of those things. Mm -hmm. It should be built on that foundation of self-love and we've got it the wrong way around. Mm -hmm. We seek a relationship. We seek finding our other half rather than finding ourselves, And that's exactly what happened Mm -hmm. to me. So that was a big part of my story too. So I think there was a, having everything taken away was a really handy thing for me because my worry of what would happen, the judgment, I had to be subjected to that judgment. And it was, it was good. It was good for me to be judged. It was good for me to be gossiped about. It was, it was good for me to feel that because then I realized it doesn't matter. (laughs) It does not matter. And that revelation was huge. It doesn't matter what somebody thinks of you. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what, opinion they have about what you do you know even sat as what I do for my job my family think it's crazy my family think that's not a real job and I still get <laughs> about it and, and now I think it's not my job to make somebody else understand what makes me happy and what mm. I do and my mindset and my way of thinking and I actually think it's an amazing thing that everybody thinks differently and sees the world differently mm. but mm-hmm. I think having that confidence to make that decision in the first place is the biggest step and to say I deserve Mm. more than this and it's the hardest step Mm. but once you start Mm. you're I think you're in it's it I don't think you can go Mm. back from that of course you dip out and there's things and it's a hard hard process but once Mm. you make that decision that you know if you can understand that everyone should deserve self-love, then you have to be included in that. If you can look at your mm-hmm. best friend and say, well, of course she deserves to love herself. If I can look at my child and say, mm-hmm. of course they deserve to love themselves. You have to understand mm-hmm. that you're no different. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to be active about it. I think this is a thing we think, mm-hmm. oh, if I just think that I love myself, I'll just love myself. Mm-hmm. It takes mm-hmm. work. It takes hard, hard work. It takes daily commitment. It takes, mm-hmm. you know being realistic with yourself and saying, this is something I have to commit to now for the rest of my life, for myself and for everyone else around me. So I think it just, for me, really started by being interested in it, by asking myself that question, who am I? Who do I want Mm. to be? What's important to me? Mm -hmm. And really understanding what self-love was and what my version of self-love would look like. 
Yeah. Uh, 100% and you've you've just again just touched on some really interesting points and I think a lot of it you've you've mentioned childhood quite a lot and I honestly think this is where so many of our traumas and issues come from right but one thing I, I want to really give my mum here is that she never put herself down in front of me she would come into my room burst in having a trying on session she call it in her clothes and be like look at me don't I look fabulous right and I'd be like oh yeah yeah you look great mum walk walk off walk back in what do you think of this what do you think of this don't I look great right I never ever saw my mum or heard my mum put herself down in front of me and I think that's had a huge impact on my life because I did get bullied in school I did get picked on but I always came home and had that safety blanket and witnessed my mum just like I say just not put herself down not pick herself apart and I think that we do live in a society where we've got constantly got these marketing messages thrown in our face especially as women buy this you're gonna you know look fabulous or if you don't have this you're not good enough all the time constantly streaming in our faces this is what a perfect body should look like this is not what a good body should look like this is how you're supposed to walk talk act be and it's so toxic and I feel so I'm going to say sorry for the younger generation that are growing up with social media because honestly, Rosie, if I'd grown up with Instagram, I, I think I would have really struggled because at least I could go home and switch off and be in my safe family unit, whereas now we are always switched on. And I do feel sorry for the younger um, generation of children growing up. So I'd love to talk about that now because obviously you're a mum and I'm sure you being very aware of, you know, how as parents we have such big impacts on, on our children and what sort of message would you be sort of sending out to women listening to this right now who are concerned about their children growing up and not feeling enough, not feeling good enough because they're constantly being told that they're not good enough, basically. How, how are you responding to this? And what is your thought process being a mum raising, you know, a girl and a boy? What, what are you sort of teaching them and, and what, what should we be, be aware of, um, as parents and even non-parents, you know, I've, you know, I'm around young children all the time. A lot of my friends do have children. I'm very aware of what I'm saying and things. So how can we make sure that we try and, you know, help these younger generation grow up and feel like they're enough in a world where they're constantly told that they're not? That is the million dollar question. That's, it, it's huge. Right. It's so huge. Mm. And I think there are two parts to this. There are active things you can be doing with your children. And there is also the question you have to ask yourself, do you feel good enough? Because working on yourself mm. has to be what you show them. Because firstly, I think especially as women, a lot of our identities and what we're told is that we should be selfless. And so we're very, very good at putting ourselves to the bottom of the pile as parents. And actually we treat, we teach our sons especially to find partners that do that, to expect a partner to to do everything to expect a partner to put herself last and you essentially treat you teach your children I think how to show up as friends in relationships as people generally in the world as well as how they feel about themselves so I think you have to start work on yourself and understand that self-love is actually the least selfish thing you'll ever do it's mm -hmm. the most selfless it is the, the more you 
show up for yourself, the more you'll show up for other people too. And we have to get it out of our heads that as a, as a mum, we can't do that. And it's not about saying I'm putting myself first. I'm saying me too. And that's a very, very different thing. And so I think doing the work on yourself is essential because just like you said with your mum, that will make all the difference the way that she interacted with her body. Because many of us grow up with mums who took look in the mirror and say, I don't even remember, this is a very British thing, um, Tupperware parties. And my mum yeah. used to have Tupperware parties <laughs> all the time. And all it was was an opportunity for all my mum and her friends to bitch and moan and say how much they hate yeah. themselves or their lives or their husbands. Mm. And it, mm. it was never a positive experience. And, and the majority of clients I work with and the biggest part of my work is going back and sorting out limiting beliefs that are formed in childhood because... We hear so much. We absorb so much. As kids, we are sponges. You know, realistically, we're walking around in the adult equivalent of hypnosis until about age seven. Mm. So we're absorbing all of these things. So one comment from your your parents who, you know, and I, and I look at this and I think my parents didn't know. We didn't mm. have this opportunity. And it's, and it's exciting that now as a generation, we do have the opportunity to influence how our children feel in a positive way. And we have these tools and resources and we know what self-love is and it's becoming more, more mainstream. So I think mm. we absorb so much and it's really important how we talk about ourselves, how we talk about our bodies, also how we talk about success and our jobs and our capabilities mm. and, and really catching your own negative self-talk and understanding what you're saying to yourself is a really, really important part of that. The other mm-hmm. side of that, I think, is active things that I do with my children. Like, we do affirmations and we talk about what we love about ourselves. And I remember my little boy was three and it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, this is what it's all about. And I said to him, who loves you? And he said, mommy loves me and daddy loves me and nanny loves me. And he went, and I love me. And I was like, if a three-year-old can understand that he has to be on the list of people who love him, sorted, done. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there's going to be times, like you say, there's bullying, there's life, there's Instagram, society standards, Mm -hmm. a whole range of things. But if you can set a solid foundation with your children, if you're active and you're creating an environment at home where... And it's not about being happy all the time. I mean, that's also something that's really important. My children Mm -hmm. understand. My son understands what periods are. And he understands that when Mm. mummy's on her period, she might feel sad sometimes. But that's okay. (laughs) He knows that he has to get the Kit Kats out of the cupboard. That's his little thing. (laughs) (laughs) If mum my period, he'll say, mum, do you need me to get you a Kit Kat? Because (laughs) he knows. And and, and feeling their emotions is really important. Something I really encourage my kids to do is to feel all of the emotions because Mm. it's not about being happy all the time. It's not about never having self-doubt. It's understanding how to conquer it because Mm. it's going to creep in sometimes, but you want those tools in place to go, well, this is how I deal with it. So I think Mm. getting to grips with yourself is the first step before you even think about doing anything else is understanding how do I feel about myself? Do I feel like I'm good enough? And the answer is probably no. In one area of your life or another, it may be that you sit there and go, yeah, 100%, I feel not good enough. It might be that in my job, I don't feel good enough. It might be in my relationship, I don't feel good enough. In my body, I don't feel good enough. But you need to start working on that because even if mm-hmm. you don't think you're actively showing that, you are. The energy that we give out and, you know, one thing I always talk about is um, Wayne Dyer, an amazing 
a motivational speaker yeah, talks about orange juice mm-hmm. all the time and i read i go on about orange juice orange juice orange juice and this idea that if you squeeze an orange you'll only ever get orange juice from it you can't ever expect to get apple juice or tomato juice mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who squeezes it what's inside is what will come out and it's the same when it comes to your self-love and your self-worth so mm-hmm. if you have in a content peaceful feeling inside that's the way you show up as a parent. That's the way you show up as a friend. Mm. And this also works on the flip side of if people are treating us badly or saying nasty things like bullies, a lot of the time that's their orange juice. That's their projection. Mm. So it works in both ways. And I think getting to grips with who you are and how you feel about yourself is number one. And then actively doing things like talking about feelings, talking about self-worth, saying affirmations looking in the mirror you know and embracing themselves fully seeing themselves as whole people Mm -hmm. from a very young age Mm -hmm. understanding that they don't need to be seeking you know especially older kids as well you're not another half of a relationship when you're older you don't need Mm -hmm. to be a wife or a a mom if that's not what you want to do like you're a whole individual person and Mm -hmm. exactly enough in the way that you are now but I think it's again it's a conscious daily activity and it's a mindset Mm. it is a mindset and like I said before that's what I hope my children inherit from me yeah that's so so powerful I think that god so many people are just gonna be sitting there like going I could resonate with that yeah that's me wow okay that's something to work on but you're absolutely right if you can get down to those grassroots and understand where the lack of self-belief the the, the lack of self-worth the lack of self-love comes from then that's how you build right because I think we're sort of living in an age now where it's a bit toxic positivity going on like slap on a smile and go yeah I feel great it's okay if you don't feel great every day we all have those days those moments where we go do you know what pass me a bag of crisps and put on Netflix I'm not speaking to anyone today I'm, I'm out right and that's okay right to have those days and it's it's okay not to be okay right but you're absolutely right it's you know using our emotions as almost like data feedback like okay that's interesting you know when we are triggered by something oh okay an opportunity to learn or whenever I sort of start to feel like a little bit of anxiety I go oh okay time to pull back I'm 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 going a bit too, you know, going a bit too um, quickly now. I need to pull back, relax, you know, take a breath. So I think our, if we can learn to really tap into our emotions, we can use them for our benefit and we can really learn a lot about ourselves. But I think that, you know, sometimes it's not nice to feel down. It's not nice to feel a bit sad. So we don't want to be there. So we just sort of brush over it and we busy ourselves with cleaning, going and seeing some friends or, you know, work, or whatever that is. But actually, sometimes it's really good to sit in the fire and understand what's going on oh, this is an opportunity to heal, right? But we're so busy just sort of like trying to not feel that way that we're just masking it and we're just slapping on a smile and pretending that we feel something that we're not. And that will, you know, bottle up over time if we're not dealing with those emotions. So I think that is such great advice. So start to understand yourself, start to understand your limiting beliefs. Where does that come from? And then let's say that somebody, they've done the work, they understand, okay, this is where that belief comes from. This is why I'm feeling this way. 
where where do they go to next because you've said that and i completely agree it's it is a it's something that is ongoing you you don't just like going to the gym and doing a few bicep curls now you've got bicep curls the rest of your life you've got to keep on going and exercising right it's the same for your mindset so i love for you to share with the audience now like what are some habits routines practices that you do on a regular basis to make sure that your mindset is in a really good place so yeah I'd love to sort of for you to share a few tools that you use on a regular basis that really help. 100%. Um, I think routine, you picked up on routine there, is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, again, just like the not having bad days, there are days when I don't do my morning routine because I'm a human mm-hmm. being and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And not being yeah. harsh on myself about that. Self-compassion mm-hmm. has been something I've really, really worked on. Um, but I do... Find, I have had to find things that work for me and that's what it should be it's almost like a process of elimination so I think this is this is something that I say with my clients all the time it's about creating a toolbox but everyone's toolbox will look slightly different but you need to experience as many tools as possible to understand the ones that work for you so some people will love journaling you know if you're somebody that likes mm-hmm. to write feels that you get things out and and it's an easy way for you to do that you love journaling, but there will be someone that will do journaling and they'll be sat there thinking, this is not, for, <laughs> this is not for me. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. It's not about having, I would rather somebody have three tools that they can use every day. Mm. That will keep mm. you a lot more on track than having 10 that there's half of them you don't mm. really like, but you use them because you think that you should. Should for me is the worst swear word. I don't like saying yeah. the word should because mm. I live my whole life doing things I should be doing and mm. it didn't make me happy. Um, yeah. So don't, it's very easy even within self-development to fall into a trap of going, I should be doing this. I should be yeah. getting up every day and doing a million different things and meditating for three hours mm. and, and doing all of that mm. and then feeling bad about the fact that you haven't done it. So there's also, I think, a very interesting trap within self-development that you can almost make you feel ba- yourself feel bad the more you mm. and sometimes it can be infuriating because you can think oh my god I've got so far to go because you're not looking at how far you've come but yeah I think for me there's meditation is a huge thing for me being somebody that has suffered with anxiety meditation is something that brings me back into the now and it's something that's been really useful mm. making friends with my mirror has been mm. huge for me um and something I talk about all the time is my inner bad bitch. So you're, <laughs> I, you already tell I'm a sweary person. I am just, there's a part of me. I have a very wholesome mum side of me. There's mum and, mm. and she's caring and she's loving and she's all the, the things that she wants to be in a parent and as a partner, I'm very soppy, I'm romantic, I'm that side of me. And something I've really tapped into that's really helped me with not caring what other people think that's helped my confidence is that bad bitch version of me. So when I talk about affirmations, you know, my children's affirmations, we were looking at, I'm beautiful, I'm strong, I'm enough, I love myself, all of those things. For me, I get up every morning, I look in the mirror and I go, Rosie, you're a bad bitch. Like this, come on, you're a bad bitch because I know that's what motivates me. But how I talk to myself won't work for some people. Bad bitch won't resonate with some people. But you need to find your bad bitch, your version of you're a queen, you're a god, like goddess. Yeah. There's all these different words that float around. But 
to me, that's like, I like the, the snappiness of you're a bad bitch. Like, come on. Mm. Like, I need that sometimes. Yeah. I Like, for me, for motivation, for getting mm. shit done, like, it's got to be that bad bitch mm. version of me. So mm. I have tapped into that side of me, which I'd always very much shut off, I think, because I felt that it was there. And again, this isn't about creating something that isn't there. Some people won't resonate with that at all and they don't have that version of them and it's not about creating something. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, maybe I don't want to be confident because maybe I'm not a confident person. And like, maybe I think I should be confident Mm. because that's what people do. But Mm. that's because she needs to find out who she is. And this this is what underpins it all. And actually, this is still something that I do daily is ask more questions about who I am because I'm always changing. I don't want to be this static thing that no you know why be one version of yourself for the rest of your life when you could be 50 like I'm gonna learn mm-hmm. so much between today and tomorrow potentially so I'm gonna yeah. be slightly different but you have mm-hmm. to date so daily questioning and again for me that's in a form mm-hmm. of journaling or just even sometimes I sit and I think so I have also had to learn to spend time alone I think spending time alone is something that's really important. Intentional time alone is something you can do every day. And it gives you five minutes to have a breather, but also to ask yourself that question. What is one question I can be asking? What's important to me? What do I want out of a relationship? When I look back, what do I want to look at my life and see? Am I going to ever wish that I hated my body more? No. Am I ever going to wish that I loved it more? Absolutely. You know, and... I think a daily digging into who you are is huge mm-hmm. and something that you can do in various forms every day and something I still do now and I will do 100% until the day I die. Mm-hmm. That's a non-negotiable mm-hmm. for me. But also those mm-hmm. finding that version of your bad bitch, finding that whatever motivates you, whatever peps you up. Because we do need that motivation. Mm-hmm. I don't jump out of bed every yeah. morning being like, I love myself. It, do- it doesn't work like yeah. that, you know? But I, I fall back on the tools mm-hmm. that I have to make sure that I'm putting myself in the best possible mm-hmm. position for a good day. And if it's not a good day, mm-hmm. I fall back on the other tools I have to make sure that I get through it. And it's not as bad mm-hmm. as the last bad day. But mm-hmm. I think there's various different things you can be doing. And again, it's not a prescriptive. I can't say this is what I do and here's what you should do. Mm. And don't fall into that trap of within self-development, I should be doing this. I should be reaching this Mm. amount. I should be reading this many pages a day and I should be Mm. listening to this many podcasts. Like you have to find what works for you. But I almost think it actually takes confidence to find that. So again, it's just that decision Mm. to be inquisitive, like get curious. That decision to start Mm. understanding what self-love is and who you are is always the thing you have to fall back on because at the end of the day, I think nothing else will ever be enough. You can find your dream job. You can find your dream partner. You can find your dream house. Nothing will ever be enough if you don't think you're enough. And even if you have yeah. all of those things, you won't think you deserve it. If you'll self-sabotage it, it will influence every decision that you make. I think you have to work on your own enoughness, otherwise nothing else will ever be enough for you. Yeah. Wow, that's so, so powerful. And I think that's probably why there's a lot of people walking around with, you know, what looks like the perfect life. They've got the house, they've got the kids, they've got the husband, they've got the money, they've got the nice cars, but 
they're miserable and that's probably because like you just said then they haven't they don't believe they deserve it they and they self-sabotage I read a really good book you might have read it or come across it called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and it's all about how we have this thermostat and anytime we go above it in our happiness we self-sabotage ourselves to bring ourselves back down and I think there's so much upper limiting going on constantly all the time because people again don't feel like they deserve it because they haven't worked on themselves they don't feel enough they don't have the self-belief and when they do get everything that they wanted they go oh okay is this all there is or there's that emptiness because perhaps maybe they've climbed that mountain to realize it was the wrong mountain because they've not got clear on what they suit what they wanted and I think what you just said then is spending some time on your own one of the things that I do for my self-love is I love going for a walk and and actually just Talk, talking to myself and I probably look like the the nutter of talky but sometimes it's so it's so powerful because I'm just having a conversation and just going through some things that I'm thinking and I'm thinking them out loud and by the time I get back from that walk I feel great I've kind of almost had like you know 30 minutes of therapy and I feel really good again so all of these tools and the, and, and the other thing as well you know they don't need to take a long time this is the other thing a lot of people say I don't have time to meditate and I have time to move I don't have time to do these things well you know it could be a five minute meditation it could be a 10 minute walk it could be you know a two minute journaling session just look in the mirror every time you wash your hands and tell yourself an affirmation it, it doesn't need to be these hour-long sessions of you know all of these self-help practices it can literally be five or ten minutes I think probably time is something you come up against a lot I can imagine yes a hundred percent like I even say this tying your things to current habits and make so I'm mindfully wash up you know I I'm the same I love going for a walk that's a form of meditation for me but when my kids mm-hmm. are here it's not like you know I'm a single mom it's not a luxury that um I get so I mindfully wash up um and I even just thinking about how the water feels what it smells like Mm. the heat of the water what I can see out of the window that can be a two minute thing but that's a grounding thing for me that's key in my anxiety is feeling like I'm in the moment so I can still do that, finding ways that work for you. And again, it's why you don't want to fall into that trap of this is what I should be doing. I've got to have this mountain long list of this is my morning routine and it takes me three hours. Like, no, when you come down in the morning, you flick the switch on the kettle, say your affirmations while the kettle boils. Yeah. You know, then that becomes, mm-hmm. oh, actually, every time I flip the switch on the kettle, I automatically start saying nice things to myself. That's a pretty cool habit. Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. and it hasn't taken any time out of your day. If you're someone that struggles yeah. with time, start to begin with, just start, don't think you've got to carve out extra time in your day. Find the pockets of time that are already there, like while the kettle boils, like whilst you're washing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, amazing advice. But look, Rosie, I could honestly sit and chat to you all day. You've come up with just some incredible points, shared an incredible story. And I know that so many people are going to be listening to this podcast and just really sitting there reflecting on their own journey and their own lives and really sort of wanting to probably reach out to you. So um, for those that are sitting there right now that would love to find out more about you, where can we send them? Where can we make sure that they they go to? So I'm a big lover of Instagram. I am the real <laughs> queen. That's my that's my thing. Um, so there's head. I would say head to my Instagram, um, which all the details you obviously find, um, and. 
I offer one-to-one coaching. I have programs. I have various different things. Also have a load of free trainings. If you sat there and you're thinking, mm-hmm. do you know I just want to really binge on some free content. There's three or four mm-hmm. free trainings that you can find on the website and there's free planners. There's various different things, but I am always willing to connect with people and wanting to connect with women, even if it's for them to just share how they're feeling and their story and Mm. to have someone that understands how it feels to not feel great about yourself. So Instagram Mm. is, is where I roam around and where I live. Um, So find me there and yeah, please, I would love to have a message. If somebody's enjoyed this or they've got a question, then absolutely reach out. We'll make sure we said them there. And I also want to say as well, a big thank you to you because you are one of our educators on the Sisterhood Club platform. And, you know, your course, your education piece is so needed because it's all very well us teaching women about business and uh, finances and things. But let's start with the with the self-love piece. Let's start there. Let's make sure that before we go and learn about how to build a business and, you know, how to manage our finances and how to be better parents, let's make sure that we are coming from a place of, I am enough. I've got this. I deserve to build this business. I deserve to be an amazing parent. I deserve to, you know, go and start that career, right? It all starts with that. So I'm so grateful that you are a part of this club. And uh, I'm sure that our community, when we do launch, will be a uh, Rosie, I need you on speed dial because <laughs> oh, a, a lot of triggers are coming up for me. So absolutely, we'll make sure we send them to you. But Rosie, thank you so much today. And um, I really hope all of our listeners have enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe for our newsletter to get all of our latest podcasts. And um, make sure you go and connect with Rosie because she's amazing. So thank you very much, Rose. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please give a little share on your social and if you have time please leave a review and I hope to see you next time take care